Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Outside the Box. And as you guys can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, um, but if you're listening, I'm with Jamie Winship right now, and uh, this is our third conversation, um, and we're, we're going into the holidays, and there's just so much to talk about. And uh, Jamie, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it is. It's a. It's a stressful season. You it, know, it, just as we were talking about. We, we were, uh, you know, right before we hit record, we were, we were, you know, going over a little bit what we talk, wanted to talk about today, and um, and this season is, it's almost like forced happiness all around us. Yeah. Like everyone, you know, it it feels like you have to be in a certain mood. And if you're not feeling that way, or if you've had a tough year, it's, it, you feel like you, you might have to put on a show, but you don't really feel it. You know, what's kind of some of your thoughts heading into the season? What do you see you yeah, know, with some uh, of this? Exactly that. It's, um, you know, because of these conversations we've been having about truth telling and, and especially that, especially truth telling and most of us kind of live in a sort of a coping mechanism deniability world, you know, where we don't really have to go too deep in what we really think about things like ourselves, all those places that scare us. And then you hit this cultural phenomenon of Christmas where it's supposed to be, as you're saying, this jolly, you know, it's a holly jolly Christmas and family, and you're coming out of Thanksgiving, which may have been good or bad, but into this month-long emphasis on gift-giving and, and, and connectedness and peace on earth and joy and all of that. And it, 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 can, it can force people into a place where they finally have to say, like, I, I'm, I, my family's dysfunctional, yeah. or I'm all alone, or um, I'm broke. These, these truths that in any other season you just might be able to manage, but this makes it, it, makes it difficult. And when I was a police officer, this was the worst time to work was because of the um, suicide rate and the, and the depression rate and the family fights and those sorts of things that were going on. It, it was just like, wow, this is not the way it's supposed to be. Well, do, do you think it's partly just because um, you just become more aware of maybe how lonely you are, how yes. unhappy you are? Right. So that awareness can be overwhelming. Right. Yeah, because, again, because if you're not regularly in this healthy, you know, paying attention to the truth of what's going on around you and inside of you, if you're not, if that's not a common practice, then these kinds of uh, um, external pressure to face it, yeah, it can be devastating to people or or just mildly depressing, but it's 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 a time of year. And even, you know, I'm I'm I work pretty hard on this internal journey. And even for me, it's 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 I'm like glad when it's over. I'm <laughs> glad when the emphasis is off money and presents and you know, decorations and all of that stuff. Yeah. It, there's, there's a lot of pressure around it. And, you know, uh, again, it's kind of, you know, external, I, I think. Uh, it feels like keeping up with the Joneses is oh, put on yeah. steroids yeah. Uh, come the holiday season. And, you know, but we've talked a lot, and you talk a lot about truth-telling and how that's a positive thing. You know, is this a bad type of truth telling? <laughs> it's just too much. It's okay. too much too fast. 
and there's once you've to, once you've sort of told the truth about the negative, you don't have anywhere to go from that, right? That's what's that's what's hurtful is like okay. I, this is the truth that I believe about the world that I am. I am all alone. You come to that sort of harsh thing because maybe you're alone on Christmas Eve or whatever. You come to that harsh place like, wow, I really am alone. I really don't have any deep relationships with anyone. That's a great place to start because it's actually not true. Yes. Right? Yes. So so then if you have a community or a way to go forward with with. Someone's saying, okay, but let's talk about, are you really alone? Then it's a very beautiful process. But if you're, if you're in that place where you, can, where you just sort of self-empty, and then there's nothing, no truth there to replace it, yeah, it's devastating to people. Or, it could, you know, I, I would imagine it'd be more devastating if, um, if you're doing the opposite of truth-telling, you're faking it, yes. and you're trying to act a certain way or be a certain way, and then you don't get the power of self-emptying, right? And, you know, so you, and then you're probably internally realize even more how alone you are and how unhappy you are. Yeah, and what do you? And then you're, you, and you figure you're just coping with it, right? right? You, you're not even. You're at least the one person is at at some point of trying to truth tell. The other person is just in re- really actual just falsehood, <laughs> which is what is how a whole culture can just drift along saying things that are actually aren't true. And function for a long time, as long as the props are there, but it'll shipwreck. It's just a matter of time before some crisis comes, COVID, a pandemic or something that really shakes it to the core. So how, like, what are some healthy ways to approach this season if if we know it's going to be a tough one for us in particular? Uh, you know, we might be isolated in certain ways. We might not be able to see people that we're used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be, you know, this harsh reminder of loss and of, uh, being alone. Talk to us a little bit about some healthy ways to deal with some of those truths. Yeah. So, um, as we've been saying all along, the, the, the worst thing for humans is to be in isolation. Mm -hmm. So for anyone out there, whatever you do, do not isolate yourself what i mean do anything listen to a good podcast you know read something that keep that 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 brings you back out into some kind of community so for the person that's just absolutely isolated this is a difficult time but um this is where that beautiful word hope comes in Mm. um which is which is interesting. It's ironic because this is the season where we talk about hope and love and, and faith and these these words that we think of as abstract. They're actually not. They're actually very concrete things. But can you? What does that mean? Well, so it, yeah, that, I mean that's an interesting and a, and a really <laughs> another discussion. But um, um, so in in think in sort of world anthropological thinking, there's really kinds of only two. Um, ways to think about the world in terms of of um, intellect or, or or actually language. One is it's called Hebraic thinking. It doesn't have anything to do with Judaism or Hebrew. It's just the term. It's a way of thinking called Hebraic thinking, and it means to think holistically in holes, not in separate. And then the other way is Hellenistic thinking, which is to break everything down into its smallest components and analyze it. 
And ah. so these two ways of thinking, so it, 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 as we go back historically, humans around the world only thought Hebraically. Like they would never think to separate, as Descartes will say later, they would never separate the mind from the body. It would never even occur to them. It's all one. Everything's all one thing. We're inside of a whole system. We're holes. Everything's whole and every part affects the other part. Hellenistic Greek thinking comes on the scene and for 400 years, these two views have a war basically for dominance. And um, until, until really about just probably the Enlightenment, sort of that time period, the Hellenistic viewpoint becomes the worldview. So in Hebraic thinking and language, there's no words that can be spoken that cannot be seen, <laughs> right? So if you use a word like love, you would never use a word like love without an example. There it is. So for example, I, my son is married to a Jordanian, an Arab woman. And so if you ask her, and so I have two daughters-in-law, one very American raised in the U.S., the other very Arab raised in the, in the Middle East, um, has nothing to do with religion. It's where, they, it's where they're raised in the world. So if I ask my daughter-in-law from the U.S., does, does my son, your husband, love you? She will say yes. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. How do you know? Oh, he tells me. Um, <laughs> but if I, that, which can mean anything. Right. Well, I don't know, you know what, but if I ask my Arab daughter-in-law, does my son love you? She, she'll hold out her hand and shake the gold bracelets that he's given her. Huh. She doesn't say yes or no. She just, <laughs> she's pointing to um, something that he's demonstrated her love that's visible interesting right yeah so if we say how do you know that person loves you and they say he tells me that means nothing to a hebraic thinker okay it's like when you ask someone do they love you you point to an act of their love towards you okay it's very beautiful and very powerful which means that the word love can never be an abstract idea like it's just up in the sky i can say i love you and i love my car <laughs> Right. They, they're just words that float around and they don't ever have to really be lived out or demonstrated. So does, does, does mm -hmm. the demonstration, does that mean like conditional or like, can you do, can you do that in like an unconditional yes, way? Yes, that's right. And so when she shakes those, that means for her, it means in her context, it means he came to her family and said, your daughter is so valuable to me, I will give you anything in order to have her. That's how, and the family sh says how valuable he, she is, and he has to pay the price for her. Mm. He has to purchase her, not in a negative way or in a property way, in a value way. Okay. It's really fascinating. That's fascinating. Um, and that's Hebraic. That's Hebraic thinking, okay. right? And so like, like if I'm reading a, a text that's Hebraic, it, and if it, it, it says, like, instead of saying the person is angry, it would say the person's nostrils flared. They wouldn't use the word angry. They would give a picture of anger itself. Okay. So it makes total sense. Everything they say is something that you, that you can see, touch. You, it's like you know exactly what they mean. When you switch over to Hellenistic thinking, it's much more just up in your head. 
So it loses its power of, of having to be demonstrated. Could that be a positive thing in that sense? Uh, because it has less power, um, you're not as controlled by lack thereof or something along those lines? Well, I think what happens is... We, that, we just believe in it less, maybe. Yeah, we do. We believe in it way less, and words cheapen. They okay. become cheap. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we can use words like like love and forgive and these words, and they don't really have any substance to them. So we're like, oh, yeah, I forgive you. Mm. Where's the visible expression of actual forgiveness? Like, where is it? Yeah. If we don't see it, then uh, then you can say anything you want, you know. And and so we can go to like religious gatherings, and everyone's talking about love and forgiveness, and then they walk away and do exactly the opposite, because there's no actual requirement to act out what you just said. So what qualifies <laughs> the demonstration? Like you know, if if you're asking for forgiveness or trying to demonstrate mm-hmm. some form of for- forgiveness, what if the person that you hurt doesn't accept that forgiveness. Yeah, it's they still would have this evidence that you meant it. Okay. Okay. So it, the, they don't have still, to receive it's it. It's tangible. There it is. Okay. Right. There's their act. And that's on them at that point. Right. Where it's like a it's a personal thing on their that's end. Right. You've right. demonstrated that you mm-hmm. you're sorry. Right. Or something along those right. lines. Right. So so you know just thinking foreign policy, if we're gonna say to each other as nations we to forgive means to cancel the debt that's owed. That's what forgiveness is, to cancel the debt that's owed. So there's no denying this person owes this person something. We've stolen something and then we can't repay it. And forgiveness is just an accounting term. It's very unemotional. It just means I cancel the debt. You can't repay it. We cancel the debt. Once the debt is canceled, it can never be brought up again. Okay. So the yeah. demonstration is I will never refer to this, talk to you, keep a list of those things that you've done that hurt me. That's forgiveness. And so it's a, the person can say, how do you know that person forgives you? Because this is what they do. I would imagine that, I'm, I'm not married, but I would imagine that that'd be a very powerful tool in marriages, long-term relationships, that ability to... Uh, to cancel a debt. That's right. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, if I hurt somebody to know that that's not going to be held against me right. in the future. And to be convinced that it's not. Yeah. There's like no, actually believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I had, there's, it, it, there's, there's evidence for me to conclude that this will never be brought up against me again. That's incredible release and freedom. Just totally. like today I was making a left turn, you know, in two lanes that turn left and the person next to me, I just had this feeling they were just going to, crossover you know (laughs) and they sure enough right in front of me you know and i toot my horn so as soon as that happens i have this choice of what i can do yeah right um and so forgiveness is just i just cancel that debt yeah right you took away a freedom i had right there you know what's interesting um you know as we're talking about forgiveness and um what came to my mind was like a guilty conscience um I can sometimes put myself in this position of feeling bad um, for a thing that I think somebody took a certain way, but I'm not sure that they did. Mm-hmm. And you and you feel that way, and it's just interesting how that's definitely all up in my head. Right. 
and it's not even a debt that needs to be forgiven, but I feel like I need to be forgiven of it. I right. feel like I need it canceled. Like I feel like I need affirmation that, that they didn't take it the wrong right. way. You just need evidence that it's no longer an issue. Yeah, it's really liberating. That is it's right. so liberating, especially in a relationship. And now, you know, what would be some tangible ways of looking at hope? Yeah. You so, know? right. So hope, so forgiveness, going back to the Hebraic and the Hellenistic thing is, so for forgiveness to, to, for real forgiveness to occur, there has to be an offense, right? So if, and nothing, nothing makes a relationship deeper than forgiveness. Okay. So follow me on this. So nothing makes a relationship deeper than forgiveness. The person who's in a position to forgive another person, um, is in a very powerful position because if you've hurt me and I need to forgive you, I am now in the position to either take our relationship to a whole much deeper, more beautiful or to stop it. Right. <laughs> like to violate it, to separate. Right. So, so what we learned, believe it or not, when we were working counterterrorism is that to get, to get the, you know, the, the focus group that we were trying to get, inside of to get them to stop being violent, we would actually try and put ourselves in positions where they could injure us so that we could forgive them. (laughs) Because once they injured us and we could forgive them, that relationship was sealed. Yeah. Right? So we started asking, we started like, we need to get in a position where they offend us or hurt us. Why? In order that we can demonstrate to them without a doubt that we care about them. How? By forgiving them the greatest act of love a human can do to another is to forgive them. Right? That is wild. Right. Did, did you know that um, actually part of like the body's ability to heal, um, you, you actually, there's a lot of things you do to, you actually re-injure the injury to get the body to heal itself. It's very similar to what you're talking about Mm -hmm. um, with, you know, somebody that you want them to know how much you care or or that you uh, uh, love them. Right. Unconditionally. Yeah. Is to demonstrate, even when you injure me, I will stay with you. I will. Now. Yeah. I can imagine where resentment could come into play here. If, you know, if I'm the one on the forgiving side, you know, and I'm making the relationship deeper, how do I not hold resentment a little bit? Yeah. So re- like, so, cause I'm not seeing that on your end, you, you know, like right. I, I'm the one who's done the forgiving. Right. So the, so when, when, when I go to forgive the resentment, like if I refuse to forgive the only, the only person that the refusal to forgive hurts is myself. Right. So it's really for my own. Can you say that one more time? So the only so if you offend me and I refuse to forgive you, my refusal to forgive you doesn't have any impact on you. It has all the impact on me. I'm the one that becomes embittered by it. Right. So it's like the, the old adage that that refusing to forgive is drinking poison to hurt the other person. It doesn't. It hurts you. Interesting. So for my own health, I'm forgiving. Right. Yes. For my own health, and so it releases me from the scenario. Right. So it is resentment more, um, 
more of a sign that you actually didn't forgive them? Yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And resentment is a statement about your identity because if you hurt me and I gain identity from you hurting me, that's super destructive or a victim mentality. A, 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 another person's actions cannot defile me. It can only defile them. It do, the only power it has over me is whether or not I will cancel the effect, cancel the debt, cancel the effect of the thing on me. And you're saying we have the power to cancel that. Yes. Whether that be a debt or a um, any other thing that something somebody could inflict on you. Exactly. Got so it. I so I was with a guy not long ago, um, and we were we were working on these issues. And he was, you know, mid thirties, up in a professional, really uptight, very nervous, talking to me, and um, he, he was saying, you know, I think I'm a good person, and I, but I have trouble concentrating. And he was telling me these different things were going on in his life. Interested, had a, a, a relationship with this young lady that he really loved, but he panicked and pulled out of the relationship, and it hurt her feelings, and he doesn't know why he did it. This kind of, kind of hurtful behavior that he's doing um, and he doesn't know why exactly and so I just said to him uh, just tell me about your kind of growing up and he said you know when he was in eighth grade or ninth grade his dad left and he said we're a very religious family I thought everything was okay one day I come home and my mom says you know your dad's moved to another city and he goes I didn't like I didn't it didn't. He, my dad was a great dad. He didn't hurt me. Uh, he just disappeared. And since that time, now in his thirties, he's re- he's gone to his dad. He's met with his dad. Had a, you know, their friends and everything. And I said, so yeah, but what was the effect on you when you realized that your dad was no longer there, and when you were, you know, in eighth grade or whatever? And he goes, oh, it didn't really have any effect on me. And I said, I, I want you to think like this. I want you to think of it like. I want you to think, did your dad steal anything from you when he left? You should have seen his face. <laughs> what did he steal? My example of a good marriage. My example oh. of what a loving father would do. He said he stole my belief that I was more valuable than some other woman. Ah. Stolen from him. And he's never been, he's never sat down to think because I'm looking at his outward characteristics and his actions. They're the characteristics of a horribly wounded person that thinks they're okay. And, and so he, I said, you know, your father has a responsibility to be a dad to you, whatever that scenario is, and not just to abandon you. And when you abandon a young kid, you rob them of their childhood. Mm. And who's going to pay that back? And he just started to weep. And I said, forgiveness is, is to, that's deep down inside of you. And you need to cancel the debt that your dad can never give back to you. But you're still holding that debt. And that kind of, you know, tells me you have to truth tell. Right. About the pain yes. that, you know, others may or may not have caused you. Right. And, and that truth telling allows you to, it's kind of like what we talked about in, in a previous podcast uh, around that, that assertive part of your brain. 
where you can decide what to do with it. Right. Versus um, living unaware. Right. Uh, or just living in denial. Right. You know, d- just denying that your dad ever hurt you, even though, you know, because we're buddies now. And, right. But he left me when I was eight. Right. And know? we're just going to pretend that didn't happen instead of like, no, let's let's face that it happened. And and there, it, it's very beautiful to be able to release your dad for whatever reasons your dad did what he did, but to cancel the debt because it is still affecting you that that he saw something as more valuable than being with you, right? And so the the way that I knew that was happening was he was talking about you know I, I fell in love with this girl and I really loved her and then I don't know I just panicked and pulled out of the relationship. Why? Because I don't have an example of how to have a good relationship. Mm. Where did you miss that? When my dad left. Yeah. See, those things are all interrelated. But he doesn't have a place just to sit and talk through them and. It doesn't have to be professional counseling, but it could be just friends where the friends have, we've made a pact. Hey, we're going to try and tell the truth to each other, you know, like, um, and just be able to practice and to tell truth. So all that comes back around to hope is hope, like forgiveness, hope can only happen in darkness. Hope, hope can only be born in darkness. You don't have, you don't need hope when everything's going well. <laughs> it's not what hope is. Hope is learned. Like fear, hope is learned. And fear is hope turned back in on yourself. That's what fear is. Fear is hope turned back inward. Right. So if I ask someone, if someone's telling me that what are you afraid of i'm afraid of this happening what they're saying is my fear is that i hope this thing doesn't happen and i'm pretty but i'm pretty sure it is so the hope gets turned backwards at them into self protection and self promotion instead of being outward in hope hope is in things we can't see that's what hope is for for the things that we can't see yet no one hopes for what is seen They hope for what is unseen. So when do you hope for things that are not seen? When you're in a place where you can't see the good. You can't see the beauty. You can't see like this is going to be okay. That's when hope is so, it's the light in the dark place. It's the candle in the darkness. So a lot, lot, um, we've talked a lot about this with fear, um, and we can do the same with, hope i'm i'm guessing in that you can use it uh as a tool yes and mm-hmm. you know say you are in a place where it where you need hope would you would you argue that we all are always in that place or well the question is it's our, more obvious you know in some uh situations and right. sometimes of our lives mm-hmm. you know yeah no i think there's times when things are just going i mean at least in our you know in our world you know we're in our first world problems right i mean a, a, there's a lot of times when it's kind of going the way that you had hoped so when i say it's going the way i had hoped it means in some dark place of failure i had hoped it would look like this right would you say that hope is something that helped you get yeah. okay absolutely okay but here's the key about hope. And again, it's like identity and all these other things. Hope has to be taught. People don't just have hope. <laughs> they have to, it, hope has to be me in a dark place, seeing a person 
that's in a dark place and they have hope. So my hope is built on something in the past that I can look to in the present tense that takes me into the future. That's the beauty of hope. Because hope, you, you, hope requires some sort of evidence that, that it's possible. That's right, exactly. Okay. Otherwise, it's just optimism, and it'll get crushed. Okay. Hope is like, and it's funny where kids learn hope. Either they, learn, they can learn it from their parents, like the family goes through a rough time, and the, the child is watching the parent not give up. Ooh. Yeah. Right. And yeah. they're like, wow, this is a, but the parent is truth telling. Like, yeah, this is a hard time. We're having a hard time. It's, you know, this happened, but we're going to be okay. What is that called? <laughs> that's the, what is that called? Hope. That, you, that's it, hope, but you, it's real, right? Yeah. And you know, I love documentaries and I think you do too. <laughs> uh, uh, it seems like a lot of, um, highly successful people can point back to a an example a single mom a, a parent a dad that exhibited that and they reference that as as a huge reason they are where they are that's right you know because yeah. you've, you've been you've seen uh how something that well basically you've seen how you get from here to here they're right you there you know you 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 or somebody yeah you have faith faith is the substance of the things we hope for there's a reason to believe that this could be done it's not foolish it's not it's not blind optimism it's like no i can tell you why i hope this is going to work out that's real hope it's built on something in the past that gives you the capacity to believe that this in fact could happen, even though I can't see it yet. So an example documentary, <laughs> watching this, we were talking earlier about this documentary on comedians and, and comedians would come to California, come to LA and they would get these little terrible apartments and they would start just writing jokes, these comedians and, and trying to sell them to the established comedians for $25 or something. They would sleep on the back steps of the comedy store trying to get just one interview. They have a hope right. that they're going to get the opportunity if they stay persistent, if they stay with it. Based on what? Other stories of this working. So how do you make sure... Because I'm 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 going back to when you said hope is hope can be turned inward right. and it become fear. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you avoid that from happening? You know how do you keep it forward and you know mm-hmm. that way right. versus uh, inward? Because because hope that's forward motivates you forward. Okay. Fear. So like oh I hope this doesn't happen. That's that's hope turned the wrong way. Like I I hope I hope. Um, that I don't go bankrupt doing this. I, I hope that my family stays safe. Then you start making decisions that actually, that actually self-promote and self-protect, right? They, totally. They, versus, wow, if we, if we commit ourselves to working on this, um, that, then our hope is that this work will pay off. What's that hope based on? Hard work pays off. And that, that's operating your energy's coming from the hope versus coming from the self-protection, uh, self-preservation fear. Right. You know, and we've talked a lot about how, yeah. you know, some people get their energy from fear, um, but the, a more sustainable way is getting it from or operating out of joy. C- could hope 
lead to joy? Yeah, right. Hope, hope, hope proof is is like it's sort of founded and produces joy. Right. Okay. It's like what? It's like why do you why why are we going to get up and do this thing again? Because we hope we have a real sure hope that this is result is going to occur based on what we're doing. That's purely hope. Have you seen the result yet? No, but we will. We believe we will. Based on what? Based on things in the past that we do know. Is that different than faith? Because if faith, mm-hmm. it seems, doesn't have that piece, that that um, mm-hmm. that evidence mm-hmm. necessarily. Is that the difference between faith and hope? Yeah, so faith is what gives us hope, right? So faith is the substance of why we have hope. So again, if I, if I say, okay, um, you know, we're working on this screenplay right now. What's, how do, why do I have hope that this thing's going to go? Because, because I've written things before that have worked, right? And so my faith in that process gives me hope for this thing that I can't see yet to work. But you're not in a dark place, but you're still using hope. Right. So in that in this situation, are you manufacturing hope in the sense that um, because you're not in a dark place, you're using the hope to um, to to do something? Mm-hmm. Is it kind of the same thing? But you're using it right. uh, you're using it differently. That's a good question. So where did I learn this kind of hope? Well, to, where did I learn to have, okay, faith in this process gives me hope for this thing to work out. Where did I learn that? I learned that in darkness from watching other people have hope. Now I use it. It's like a part of just how I live. So, but so I, you saw other people in dark places. In, or, or I was in a dark okay. place and another person's hope rescued me. Oh, that's where you learn it. Right. Just like so like if if I'm growing up in a family that's poor, you know, and um, and yet my family never thinks poor talks poor. They they're joyful. Like even though the situations are quite dark, I can look at my parent and go, yeah, but they're like so hopeful that this is all going to work out somehow. That's where you learn it. Versus if I look at my parents and they're always freaked out and stressed out and scrapping and manipulating and fighting about money, I, I learn to be afraid. And that would be, that sort of dynamic would be the, the hope turned inward. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's and then it's just like, I hope we make it. I hope we make it. But it's all fear-based and it's inward. I, I, I hope so. That's not hope. Hope is hope is what moves us forward. Yeah, it's a light in a dark place. It moves us forward. So when I say I hope, I have a hope. An ex- hope is the expectation. I have an expectation that this is going to be worked out in this way. Um, it's it's super motivating to me. How how do you? Because I believe I believe that. How do you choose? the right thing to hope for or how do you choose what to hope for is this a um you know something that uh, you know that voice inside your head Mm -hmm. is that kind of where it's coming yeah and when you're talking again i i have i have a very high regard for humans not everyone does some people (laughs) think you know 
were the the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I don't I don't think that's true. I think we're I believe in original goodness, as they say. And so when I'm talking to people and I'm and you're you know, we're as we've talked about identity, when you're walking towards the truth of who that person is. That, Meaning yourself? The truth per yeah, the true okay. self. Not, okay. not this fake thing that we've created and invented out of self-protection, self-promotion. But when you're with a person and you're walking towards the truth of who they are, it's it's like walking through darkness towards a light within them. And when and that when you're talking to the real them and you're asking them like, what do you really want? Do you re- what do you long for in the deepest part of you? Very few people say wealth. Very few people come up with that kind of because yeah. it isn't what humans long for or fame. Then, you know, if they say something like that, you're talking to the false because they don't even know what that means. Fame. <laughs> but when you're talking, I want to I want to be valued. Yes. OK. And that's a good. That's a, Yes. OK. So like a person asked me the other day and we were walking through this in a group and the person said to me, well, what about ambition? What's wrong with ambition? And I said, I said, what's the goal of ambition? That everyone looks at you and thinks you're the most awesome. Deadly. It's killing our culture. That celebrity goal that, you know, it's, but there's nothing wrong at wanting to live at the highest level of your true identity as a gift to the world. Mm -hmm. Nothing. And it's, and I said, trust me, that will outshine ambition. That'll outwork ambition any day of the week. And is, is, I can kind of see hope involved in that. Yes. Because there, it, mm-hmm. it, it, one, I, we've talked a little bit about Michael Jordan here, but like in the, in the last <laughs> dance, uh, it, I'm sure a lot of people who are uh, listening to this watched it. Um, he said this one line at the end, it's the very last episode. And he, and he said it started with hope. And, and, and then that's what started this whole string of, you know, um, uh, winning, but it started with the idea of like mm-hmm. we could, mm-hmm. and I, I I think that's kind of a powerful starter and yeah. and you know getting away from basketball and you know sports or uh, you know even career and stuff like how can people start with hope you know over the next couple of weeks say they haven't been say they haven't had it exemplified for them that's right and and they're not sure if they're in a dark place or not they're that. A uh, guy who doesn't realize the hurt that you know his that's father right. put him through. That's right, and that's a that I think that's the beauty of what you're doing, is is to to have a place where people can listen to something that just says to them like, "Don't be afraid to ask this question. Do I have hope? What do I hope for?" So I I had to do a lecture on hope, and so I spent two weeks just w- whenever I was with people asking them, "What do you hope for?" Tell me something that you hope for. Most people did not have an answer for that question. Honestly, I think I would struggle with, yeah. I think I would struggle right off the bat to answer that question. Right. Because hope, you know, you could say, well, I, I, hope, I hope I'm wealthy. No, that isn't what hope means to people, right? When you think of hope, you think of, that's a very human, beautiful, alive, living, redemptive word. And you, most people don't want to cheapen it with some ridiculous, you know, celebrity. I want to be that thing. And so they do think and then they, and, but what they realize is they don't have it. Okay. Right. And that's step one. Always. 
They probably do, but they don't know what it is. So could uh, I'm imagining that hope most likely needs to be other focused, uh, like so outward thinking, mm-hmm. not uh, not the hope turns inward. Right. Okay. So you can hope for you know um, something positive to happen within your community. Um, you can hope within your family. Right. Um, am I on the right? Yeah. I, I, I really think I would, if you were to ask me on the street, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what I hope for, like I'm a little ashamed to say, I'm not sure what I would say. It's, that's what I'm saying. It's not an easy question. Even, yeah. even when I think, what do I hope for? Um, because hope is, it is so outward. It's so other focused. No, I hope, like if I say, you know, some people said to me, because depending on the groups I was in, you know, I'm hoping that I could be free of drugs. Like oh. that's a hope I have. Well, that kind of hope is very much outward, right? Because, you, yeah. because I'm hurting people in the state that I'm in. Yeah. So it's very beautiful. I, 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 or I, I, hope, I hope that I become healthy. And when you ask them, like, what does that mean? They'll say things like, well, I'm, I'm angry all the time. Yeah. That's those are that's very beautiful hope. Yeah. Now, do they have do they is there faith that that they can achieve that? That's the next question. So, first hope, then faith. Yeah, because because your hope needs to be sourced in something, right? It has to have some kind of historical thing that pushes it forward. It can be a book you read. It can be a speech you heard. That's it can be anything, but it's got to be it has to be sourced in something. It's not just coming out of me as a human being that's what i'm saying it has to be learned i i feel like that's part of the value of yeah i I grew up uh with parents who who were very conscientious of like what i consumed and i i would imagine that those inputs have the ability to um uh to be that example uh, as reference points you, you know yeah, and you and you and so it, you know when you're. It's interesting when you're asking a person. When a person says, "I hope that I'm healthy," and I say, "Well, like in what in what way?" Well, I'm struggling with depression. Yep. Okay, so that means that somehow they have figured out that what they're feeling is not the right way to be. They have an example somewhere. Yep. Of of depression isn't kind of the goal. Or don't learn to cope with this the rest of your life. Like there's a hope, there's a somewhere there's some substance that's giving you hope that maybe I don't have to be depressed all the time. Yeah. Or or you know, in poverty all the time, which is very much a mentality, right? That I have like a poverty identity or a victim identity. Um, and so when you when, when a person says, Well, I hope one day um that all people are equal. And then I'll ask him like, well, what, what would that be? What would it be? What would it be? I mean, what would we have to be like for all people just to kind of get it more zeroed in on that instead of that general? They say, well, we would have to just be, you know, more accepting of others. N- now I'm like, yeah, like, what does that mean? Because what it's going to come back to is me towards the other. What do you mean me towards the other like, in that scenario? I need to be more accepting. Okay. When doing this we thing, you know, <laughs> then I'm keep coming back like, well, who's, you know, what do you mean? You like that. Um, you see, that's, it's so interesting. You said that because when you gave the, you know, the accepting, mm-hmm. 
idea, which of course we 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 all want to head towards a world, <laughs> you know, with more of that in it. That seems so out of our control, <laughs> but when you start to say, right. I hope to be more accepting myself. Right. That's what then it's like, okay, well I can, you know, I, I can do something about that. Right. And then and that's what you really want. And so that's why people have a hard time saying when I say, What do you you hope for? Well, you know, I hope for a better world. It's like just <laughs> thrown way out there. No, 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 you. What do you hope for? If you hope for a better world, then tell me what actions you're taking to make that hope real. So th- Kind of getting back to the Hebraic, 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 Hebraic concepts. Mm-hmm. In that scenario, hope becomes a living word. It is. It is. Do you know what hope means in Hebrew? That the in Hebraic, like if you, it's fascinating. I, sometime we can do this. If you have a, if we had a chart of words like hope, I would have an object to hold up that every Hebraic thinker would know, oh, that's hope, the object. And so in one of the object, one of the symbols of hope in Hebraic thinking and language is, is a, a cord that has multiple plies to it. And the idea is, is the rope is the idea of expectation. So when you, when you have a rope with you, you have it for a reason, right? So if I hold up a rope, it's like, like I'm holding in my hand expectation and the rope is like, well, what does that tell you that I expect to climb something to, to tie up something? That's what it, like, I can't look at that without thinking something's going to happen. That's interesting. Right. And so it comes actually from the story in the old Testament is what is one place where you see it. The story, whether you believe it, that it's literal or not, but of the walls of Jericho falling and Rahab is the is is the woman in the city who helps the Israelite spies get escape and they tell her when the when the city falls we will come rescue you throw hang your expectation is the word they use out the window so we know to come get you wow and so she throws a red multiplied which means it's more than one like two they're three tightly twined or stronger than one. That's the whole idea that expectation is built in community. And so she throws this scarlet cord out the window. And when the whole, you know, when the walls are all falling down and all that's going on, the only building that stands is the one where there's hope hanging out the window. <laughs> and so it, and what it, and what it says about her future is that um, she's a prostitute, you know, Rahab the harlot, is it's when it's going through her genealogy, she's the only survivor of that whole thing. It says her generations become the line of the Messiah. <laughs> so not only is she, re- her hope not only saves her life, it saves the future of her generations. That's wow. how powerful the idea of hope is. It's not just for you. It's for everyone that interacts with you. Um, And so in my office, I have hanging in my office a red cord. And when I look at it, it reminds me that hope is expectation. That hope is like, okay, we're going to act on this hope. We're not just going to have it. We're going to move on it. One thing about expectation, um, you know, because expectation, I feel like, can also cause a lot of pain. Um, you have expectation and 
it doesn't get met. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, you know, there's, there's a saying, you know, one way to, one way to, you know, be happier is to have less ex- expectations mm-hmm. of others. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way you talk about expectation as it being an equivalent to hope, to me, that it's just a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the difference? Well, because my expectation is never on another person. Okay. So that's, Ever. Okay. that's what kills us, right? That's what hurts us is I expect you to do something for me. That's not hope. That's not hope at, at all. all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's self-protection, self-promotion and fear-based. So expectation is what I expect in my true self to see happen in my life. And it's beautiful. I was going to ask you, it's so funny. You mentioned the, uh, the, the, the red is, it's a, it's a rope. It's a, yeah, it's like a red cord or a, a rope. Yeah. In your office. I was going yeah. to ask you if you had, um, any symbols, uh, lots of symbols. Do you, is, yeah. is that one way that you kind of, that's right. Mm-hmm. I, I think the, I think that's the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Uh, and I, as we're talking about hope, I'm immediately thinking, man, I got to get like something that says <laughs> a tattoo that. or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, really. It's yeah. We need those symbols. And that's why Hebraic thinking is so powerful because it's all symbol. It's all, it's, it's never just one literal abstract word. It's, it's a, it's a symbol of an entire set of meanings and deep level stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, I have, I have a picture of me and the guy who trained me on the top of a bus going through Paris together. And that picture, just that picture of he and I on that bus on the street in Paris is volumes that reminds me about my identity and how I understand it and who, who gave it to me, who helped me understand my identity and, and the value of him pouring into me and how I have that, that one of my hopes and expectations is to pour into other people the way he did to me. So I have a faith. I watched him give me hope in a really dark situation and it, and I got hope, I learned it from him, and now I have faith that what he did in me worked, that it will work in another. So faith is the substance of what I hope for in the past, in the future, and that's my expectation. Man, that's a, a beautiful way to end today. <laughs> um, uh, Jamie, this conversation has been so fun. I, I, could, go, I could go another couple hours, but we, but we do need to stop. Yeah. It's been such a pleasure, man. Yeah. Uh, and, and to everyone listening and watching, um, you know, our hope for you is that you find hope this season. Yeah, that's and, right. uh, and from what you know, we're learning from you, Jamie, um, hope is available to, to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of... Uh, looking for it, finding that piece of evidence mm-hmm. that uh, that you can get from point A to point B. Um, yeah. So that would be my 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 hope and prayer for all you uh, watching and listening. Jamie, I appreciate you so much. Yeah, man. thank you. It's been a blast. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to do another yeah. another one. Yeah, surely it'll be fun. Yeah, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too, guys. Uh, this has been outside the box. We appreciate y'all hanging out with us. We'll see you next time. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, Please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, We will see you guys next time.